Mission 2, San Jose Avenue. From our 901 Mission Street studios, you are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Welcome to Total SF and another Toy Story 25th anniversary episode. We have our oral history of Toy Story's production on sfchronicle.com right now. Please check it out. I'm super proud of it. It's an animation story. It's a Bay Area story. But it really started as an archive story. Pixar producer Jonas Rivera visited the Chronicle archive last year. That's where I record this podcast. He's visiting to talk about Toy Story 4, and he started telling me about Pixar's archive. They have their own building. Juliet Roth is the lead archivist, but it's pretty much closed right now. Very limited access because of COVID. Nevertheless, when they found out I was working on this oral history, they absolutely opened the floodgates for us, ended up providing us with more than 100 images, just a great process. I'm interviewing Toy Story filmmakers. In some cases, Pixar archivists Christine Freeman and Lauren Gaylord were on the call, helping me find the things that I'm talking about with the filmmakers. Today we talk to Christine Freeman, senior historian, and Jonas Rivera comes back. Rivera was the producer on Inside Out and Up, but he helped start the archive. We really geek out on archives today. We talk about coffee cup marks on animation art and why maybe that makes that piece of art even better. Uh, We talk about Pete Docter sewing a Woody doll during the production of Toy Story. There was no Woody doll to buy at Target or Toys R Us. Pete Docter, who uh, ended up being a great director for Pixar, sewed one himself. And we talk about how a lobster tail from Spangler's Seafood ended up in the Pixar archive. Very Bay Area story today. Please check out our article too. Again, sfchronicle.com. It's the biggest project I've worked on this year. 4,000 words and the words pandemic and election don't appear once. Christine Freeman and Jonas Rivera coming up. I'm Peter Hartlob and this is Total SF. Thank you very much. Welcome to Total SF, Christine Freeman, and welcome back, Jonas Rivera. Uh, great to have you back in the Chronicle Archive, even though this is virtual. Thank you. Yeah, I can see it behind you. I love it. It's great to be back. Christine, I was just saying you're my favorite person right now, um, and Jonas, that's absolutely no offense to you, but she has been sending me, um, her team has been sending um, fantastic images for this Toy Story 25th anniversary project that I'm working on. And uh, Christine, have you been to the Pixar archive lately? How is it working now? Is it mostly digital? So we have access for mission critical things, but it's super targeted. There's a protocol for even though we are set aside, set apart from the main campus, we have a very strict set of protocols and limited time in which we're able to be there. Well, I, I'm looking forward to getting a description of the archive. Um, I invited Jonas on partly because this Toy Story 25th, that um, this project I've been working on, I'm very excited about it. It'll be in the Chronicle soon. 
um, was totally inspired by my conversation with you. I was talking to you for Toy Story 4, and you told this incredible right. story of coming into Point Richmond, being hired the first day, and just building desk after desk as all these legendary <laughs> animators and people are coming in to work on this movie. And it, it made me realize that Toy Story's not, the, the making of it is not what I thought it was. I, I think everything was made in Emeryville and a big Steve Jobs uh, inspired building but it started uh, right. started in richmond and well yeah man it was it wasn't a big beautiful steve jobs building it was a little <laughs> nondescript business park in point richmond um you would have never known what was going on in, inside it had you not known you know the pixar was even there and uh it was cool though it was it just had this really cool energy and it was so excited so i was so excited to be there and um what the, I wasn't necessarily thinking about the archive, you know, while I was, I was just trying to <laughs> build desks and, make, you know, make sure I was helping out. But I will say that, you know, I love artwork. I love, you know, I was really close to the art department and um, I've, I've always just loved, you know, Disney artwork and background and cell and animation and so forth. And one of the things that did pop into my mind as we were making it and as the film was getting ready to come out, even, even as it was being publicized, was all the talk about how it's the first computer animated film, which of course is true. But all of the, you know, all of the, the, the dialogue about the film was about the technology. And of course, what I was seeing was storyboards. I was moving storyboards and making co copies and carrying pastels and paintings. And in my world, it was no different than it w would have been to like work on Pinocchio or something. It felt, it was very analog, a, a lot of it. Uh, obviously, the technology was a huge, huge part of it. I'm not suggesting that it wasn't. But I just loved that the front end was as old as the medium, you know. And so I, I will admit I fell in love with that and became a little protective. I think my first months at Pixar, I, was, I felt a little bit of the, of the keeper of all that. You know? Did you feel like this belongs in a museum? I mean, even back then. And tell, tell <laughs> me how sort of the Pixar archive started. Yeah, I did feel that. And one of the, my jobs was... Um, at the very end of the show, uh, someone came to me, I think Ralph Guggenheim, the producer, said, yeah, we have to wrap the show. I didn't even know what really that meant. And we have to send all the artwork down to Disney, you know, to their archives. It's a Disney film. And I, th I thought, oh, that feels wrong. You know, of course I did it. I and mean, what I did is uh, we didn't even have a color copier. I got to, Christine, you're, <laughs> Christine will, will crawl out of her skin with this. I loaded up all the artwork in, in my car and went to Kinko's in Berkeley. And I literally spent two nights all night drinking coffee and color copying the whole collection. You know, God, there was so, so much money in those days because there were no color copiers. While that was happening... That's that's kind of when I I was feeling like I need to get the spine to say if if this movie works shouldn't is there a world where you know maybe our our status will mature enough that we could keep this and have our own archive or our own studio as opposed to shipping it off like the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark you know in, in a crate because it just felt heartbreaking that that was that was what was going to happen and it took a while but eventually that that idea led to a number of people but I I did I did kind of take the you know, part of the lead there and get the guts to pitch that at the time. And that is, I think, the, the seeds that ultimately Christine came in and, and ran and built, but that it just felt, it felt off to send all this amazing artwork. Well, originally, Christine, right, those boxes came back. <laughs> right. After, um, after I got to know the archivists at the Animation Research Library at, um, in Burbank, you know, we all kind of agreed that, that the art belonged 
where the people who knew the most about it could provide access to it to the people who were asking for it most. So the portion that had gone down to Burbank, I waited about six months after the acquisition and then went to the founder of the company and said, hey, Ed, would it be okay if I asked? And he said, go for it. So, so. Now what Christine's not saying is how awful, I may love all the artwork and, and respect it, but I'm not a library scientist. So she probably found pastels with paper towels shoved between them or anything, anything I could think of at the time to keep stuff safe. But at least it, at least it's her. You were not wearing white gloves at Kinko's when you were. No, I was probably drinking coffee and, but you know. It, it... Jonas is modest. He, you know, he set the, he did research. He set the standard for us learning, you know, what good, what good materials were, were were to use and things like that. And, you know, we, we built on those things. So, um, it is true that, um, in the life of a piece, we, we don't tell the artists how to be with their art while they're making their movie. It, it isn't, you know, Pixar archivist studios. It's, um, Pixar animation studios and we make films and that's the deal. And so, you know, what it, what is funny is sometimes there will be a piece of art that is, they will consider their hero piece of art. It's like so significant, but it's got a, a, like a coffee stain on it, or it's something that shows that it was uh, a living piece of art that was in somebody's office or tacked to a board. Um, and so, um, not everything is like super perfect and that's how movies are made it's also you know as you say that christine just that sometimes that's what makes the stuff so special you know that there's that it was operational and functional part of the making of the movie and then it becomes something we really cherish i remember once there was some piece that was done by dan lee who was such a great artist he was actually on a bug's life in the early days of a bug's life he was a character designer and he was so talented. We, he passed away uh, very young. It was so sad, but he was just such a great contributor. And I remember, Christine, there was some show or we had done some exhibit and um, it was a drawing of, I think it was Tuck and Roll or something, one of the characters in A Bug's Life. And on the side of the, of the drawing was the Wells Fargo 1-800 number in pencil. <laughs> and I thought, oh my God, Dad is probably <laughs> trying to balance his checkbook or something while he drew this. And that, that, that made it better somehow. That, you totally. Know, there was, it puts it was, the, it was real. the artist in the piece. I remember when we, we actually sent that piece to the Museum of Modern Art in New York and exhibited it in New York. And before we could do that, I had to call that number to make sure it it wasn't somebody's home number or yeah. it yeah. hadn't turned into something that you just didn't want people to call. Yeah, I mean, we, we I'm in the archive right now and, and we discuss that with crop marks. Sometimes when I'm kind of exhibiting something that we did, whether to keep the crop marks in, this isn't a good example, but you know, and a lot of it is just, you know, a, a, a red pen crossing out someone's face because we're not yeah. going to use that photo, but a lot of it is like <laughs> highlighting and things like that. And, yeah. and I can take it off, but I don't know if I should. Um, I like that stuff. Yeah, yeah, me too. It, it, again, it, it places people in the work. Mm. And I think that that's super cool, you know, cause I really am a people and story person. That's, I think so much of, of what we keep in the archives, it helps Pixar tell the story of Pixar. 
and mm-hmm. it not only tells the story of Pixar, but of the people who make the films and our, you know, our projects that we work on, all that stuff. So in addition to helping people make new movies that maybe have the same characters or similar sets, you know. How, how long have you been at the archive, Christine? And, and tell me physically what it's like. So when I arrived at Point Richmond for the first time, the archives uh, occupied a double office. And Jonas had put together the art from Toy Story, A Bug's Life, and Toy Story 2, and we were still in production on Monsters. In addition, there were things all around the studio that hadn't really been deemed as archives yet. But so I get there August 21st of 2000. We have our last day in Point Richmond that is scheduled for November 17th, 2000. So it was 20 years ago yesterday. It was our hmm. last day in Point Richmond, wow. which was pretty wild. But anyway, so we just had a short amount of time in which to um, figure out how we're going to move this collection safely as it started unexpectedly growing. So everybody had to box up their office. Everything that people felt was important and hadn't gone to the archives yet mm-hmm. was going to come. So we put out donation boxes and then every day, I mean, I didn't know a thing about animation. I was lucky enough to work with a woman named Alice Rosen who had been a production coordinator on Toy Story 2. And so she provided all the context for what am I looking at? But she and I would get calls every single day. Well, this double office is full of the producer materials for Toy Story 2. Or have you gone into storage 12 and they would hand me keys to a warehouse and I would go in and try to make sense of what should we take with us? What you know, as we're um, figuring out the scope of the collection. And, and what, what do you take? I mean, what is something that belongs in the Pixar archive? So we collect the original art from the art and story departments, as well as the documentation from those departments that helps show the context in which um, the decision-making process um, occurred that led to the art that you're seeing. So why is Mike Wazowski green and not orange. Well, that's in that conversation. We collect from Art and Story. We collect um, all the script materials from editorial. We collect awards. um, And over time, we've started collecting things that we just realized people are going, they're not asking for it now, but they will need this later. For example, we... uh, A few years after um, the archives and the whole company moved to uh, Emeryville, we started working with a documentary filmmaker, Leslie Iwerks, who started working on uh, the Pixar story. And what we discovered kind of together is that we had the original artwork, but when it came to telling the story of the studio, and there's now like interest not only in you know, our films, but our filmmakers and the history of the company. So she was finding those materials in the offices of a lot of our longtime employees. So 
those materials, like it was kind of through her eyes that I began to see what it was that people were going to be looking for in the future. What are and, some of the things that, that come to you? Um, it, it sounds like maybe some things are coming to you that people don't realize are history that are part of history. Um, and <laughs> and uh, a question for both of you. I mean, what, what types of things were coming in? I love that, by the way, that you have shoes, looks like hammered to a board that were used to make oh, for yeah. the motion capture for the army men scene. I'm kind oh, of curious. Not even motion capture. That's, that's, um, <laughs> that's animation. That's, you know, that, yeah. that is people caricaturing human motion yeah. based on that real life reference. Jonas. Well, what about the doll? I mean, the doll was one that was, oh my uh, God. um, that one's funny. So that was, you know, we're making, yeah, she's right. The army man, shoes or whatever sort of like a almost like a snowboard kind of someone i think just nailed shoes to <laughs> pete doctor <laughs> to, pete did it to try to figure out how they might walk you know and they they'd film each other doing it to get ideas but one of the other things keep in mind before toy story came out there were none of these these toys didn't exist so there was not a woody doll you know when we were making toy story 4 you've got a woody doll people could look yeah. at it so pete i think it was it was pete, um he built a doll I remember because I used to always have to run around and find it. They'd say, you need some, where's Woody? And I'd I'd remember seeing it on some animator's desk and I'd go get it and bring it to another animator's desk. But he built a doll. Did he make that body, Christine? He made the body. He sewed the body. He made the body. And he took a Fred Flintstone head from another doll that was about the right scale (laughs) and somehow sewed it onto this ball. And and it has the the right, even if you saw it now, it it is the, you know, about the shape and size of, of, of Woody. And so that's what they would look at. So it was a handmade Woody that, that was good reference. That that's I got that's in there, right? Oh, it is. You've got the, the Woody doll, the first Woody doll. I mean it's it's kind of amazing. It, it just points out to like how handcrafted that film and all of our films are. There is the artists need reference that rings true to them so that they can make it ring true to you. So um, we have a lot of interesting things. Like one thing I was thinking of recently, and you may remember this, Jonas, is um, uh, one of the art directors on A Bug's Life, Tia Cratter, she gave Mm -hmm. us a lobster tail. (laughs) And she had gone to Spanger's Seafood Restaurant in Berkeley, and she ate a lobster tail lunch on Pixar so that she could bring that lobster tail back to the art department and they could understand the articulation of that tail as reference for some of of the bugs. Yeah, for the hopper or something. That's right. I, I remember that. That's absolutely genius to pick like the most expensive shellfish animal that you can and get yeah. a meal out of it and expense it. Um, yeah, she didn't get a crab sandwich. She got lobster <laughs> tails. My favorite one um, is was the the find because I got to. I remember finding that there was this one kind of closet between two offices in, in the Point Richmond days, and that's where a lot of the literally films were in there and a lot of the sculpts. And there was a cupboard in there that I remember opening, and it was like the mother load. And that's where the Buzz Lightyear, 
that Bud Lucky had made. It was before he was Buzz. I think we were calling him Lunar Larry at the time. And Bud Lucky was a story artist, animator, designer. Uh, he, he directed the film Bound, and he's just one of the great Yeah, I got to interview studio. him on that story. It was you, such a pleasure. He said 47 words total, and it was to, the most sure. awesome interview. <laughs> Well, this one may be, maybe this one's been told, no, but no, I just love it so much. It was a Buzz Lightyear statue. It's about this big, yeah. and he had a helmet. And I think I said, Bud, where'd you, I was trying to figure out how to log it or save it. And he says, where'd you get the, how'd you do the helmet? He says, oh, that's my porch light. <laughs> he, he, he unscrewed his porch light. It was the perfect dome. And that was Buzz's helmet. I, I, is that still in there? Christine? Absolutely. Did, did I can add to this Bud's story. Porch light? <laughs> I can add to the story because there was a, um, we needed to reproduce that sculpture for an exhibition. And okay. so I went to Bud and I said, Bud, where should I get, like, where did you get that, um, that dome? Cause I need another one. And he said, Oh, El Cerrito lighting. so for many years whenever I needed to reproduce one of those sculpts I would get go to El Cerrito Lighting and I would get I I would get one of those porch light uh, yeah I think it's like a Satco six inch necklace globe you're kidding what you should have done is bought one for Bud because I guarantee you Bud never replaced his (laughs) well it turns out that um that kind of light went out of fashion and so we needed one for um yeah we needed uh, several i think for exhibitions and we actually had to buy these hand blown in italy globes uh mm-hmm. to replace the ones that i just used to get down on san pablo <laughs> avenue down in el yeah. cerrito at bud lucky's yeah. store yeah there. bud Bud probably spent four ninety nine on his, and now we have Italian blown glass <laughs> custom. Yeah, we bought a few extra. Good, I just I, I love the uh, and I've interviewed a lot of people about uh, you know those Richmond days now, and I just love how analog so many of the stories are. I mean, people who came to Pixar yeah. and didn't know how to operate a computer, you know, and then yeah. made this incredible film. Um, I wanted to ask you both just about. Um, the archive now and, and uh, uh, Jonas, I, I walked through, is it Brooklyn, the second building? Mm. And all of a sudden under what I thought was a, looked like a fireplace, there's this absolute tribute to baseball that yeah. um, uh, clearly people who are at Pixar, yourself included, are collecting these things and making this. It's, it's, it's a shrine slash museum in one room to the baseball history. I think that it's tied to Pixar. Um, the, the, the Oakland Oaks used yeah. to play on the same um, field. But, but my question is, like, um, do you still find new things and find new joy? And, and Christine... You know, after 20 years, are you learning new things? Jonas, are you, are you um, getting new surprises yeah. out of this archive? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's every day there, there's something. It's such a rich history to the place. And, and yeah, even before we were there, you know, the, the, the cannery and the, the I, of course, I love the baseball, sorry, the Jimmy Claxton Lounge, we call it. And uh, all the research that we you go over to the Oaks card room and see photos, aerial photos of where it is. You know, and I talked to Susan Slusser about that. We yeah. we did we think we found where the home plate was. That's one of the things I want to do, Christine, is figure out how to 
put a home plate right on, the, I think it's in the parking lot or something like that, and, you know, commemorate the stadium that was once there. That would be awesome. That, that would be another way to amplify the, the history of the place. But yes, to answer your question, I feel like every single day there's some little nook and cranny to, to discover and explore and learn about. It's, it's um, because it's not just the films, as Christine said, it's the people that bring all of their, you know, individual collections to it and histories and so forth, so... It's a pretty deep well. Yeah, Christine, I mean, uh, I'll, I'll give you the last word. Uh, uh, what, are, what are just your thoughts, uh, you know, a couple decades into this about, about that special place you have there? My thoughts are that, that history is something that's being made every day. And so in order to have it for the people of the future, you need to see what's in front of you. And that is one of the most fascinating things because as we've all seen this last year, the world can change in in the blink of an eye and suddenly something that seems so normal will seem so extraordinary. And so we do a lot of gathering in the moment. And so that's super interesting. I mean, we do... We do things now that we never thought we would do. People are making art in their homes. And mm. so we have, say, gone to somebody's home to um, to take a piece of art and photograph it for them so that they can continue to use it but not have to have it. Um, you know, those are just, it's just, it, there's never a dull moment. And it's, it's just the best. I, I don't know how I could be so dorky about my job after 20 years <laughs> yeah but it still gets me every day well i totally get it um i'm in an archive right now it's been a big part of my journalism over the last decade plus and it's living history it's growing um and then the past informs the president informs what we do and um, and I can just really tell that's going on there. And I really thank you both, um, Jonas, for inspiring this story and Christine for for sharing and working so hard to, to get our Chronicle readers and listeners like, um, you know, a piece of that archive and get a sense of what's going on there. I'm, I'm, I can't remember a project I'm more excited about. So thank you. Oh, thank you thank so much. You. You know, thanks for having us. Thanks so for, uh, fun. Yeah. Thanks for coming on Total SF. You bet. Thanks for having us. Happy birthday, Toy Story. You are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Thank you to my guests, Christine Freeman and Jonas Rivera. Total SF is a production of the Chronicle. Our music is The Tide Will Rise by the Sunset Shipwrecks off their album Community cable car bell ringing by eight-time champion byron cobb support total sf in the newsroom that creates it by treating yourself to a digital chronicle edition at sfchronicle.com slash pod